Hey everyone, welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jerry Scarlato, founder and fitness coach of Thrivology in Alexandria, Kentucky. We tend to believe that things, progress, should come easy. That we should be able to do something for some short amount of time and be able to make progress in whatever that is. When it comes to health and fitness, we have bought into the idea that we can make tiny changes. Uh, let me rephrase that that we can do something for a short amount of time and then we can make this big leap in progress that we're trying to make that we can do a six-week program and all of a sudden we've made all the changes we need to make and we're good to go and our health and fitness is checked off the list or we make a nutritional change we just have to do this diet for 12 weeks and then we're done once we get the weight off everything is good to go we're checked off the list we can go back to eating mcdonald's for breakfast lunch and dinner i'm just seeing the exaggeration i don't think that most of us do that but nonetheless i think you get the idea we have bought into this idea that progress happens painlessly when the truth of the matter is progress needs pain in order for it to be effective in order for it to be sustainable. Progress does not happen in any easy sense. Anybody who tells you that they can give you something easily is usually lying or trying to tell you something, uh, sell you something is what I meant to say. Um, progress is simple to an extent. Progress in health and fitness, for instance, is simple. It is simple. You just have to work out regularly. You just have to eat good quality whole foods 80% of the time. You just have to get eight hours of good quality sleep regularly. Um, you know, these things are simple. They're simple. They're basic, but they're not easy per se, at least in the beginning or especially in the beginning. So um, they're also not easy because they're not short term. They're things you have to do for an amount of time. Again, anybody who's selling you any idea that's different than that, that's different than um, this is going to take time. It is mastery. It's not, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a journey. It's not uh, a walk down the street. If anybody who's selling you the walk down the street is, is selling you something literally, or they just don't know any better. So progress needs pain. And that's what we're going to start a conversation on today. What I'd like to start with though, is with some ideas that a guy named Abraham Maslow came up with. You may know Abraham Maslow from Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Um, he's the guy who developed, I believe in the 40s and 50s, maybe 30s and 40s, uh, the basic, the needs that human beings need and, and uh, the hierarchy of them, hence hierarchy of needs. I don't know why I just reversed the explanation of that nonetheless. Um, so we're not going to talk about all of Maslow's hierarchy of needs today. There are currently seven of them. Maslow started with five, and over the years, he added a few more. There are seven, uh, seven hierarchies of needs, if you will, seven needs that we have as human beings. But you can also break them up into categories. So I want to look at those categories specifically and how, because of our desensitization to pain, we are stuck in a certain category of needs and not allowing ourselves to move forward, um, to progress, if you will. So three categories of needs. Remember, there are seven needs within the hierarchy. 
but those seven can be broken up into three categories. So the first category at the bottom of the pyramid of needs, if you will, are just basic needs. Basic needs are things like food, shelter, safety, water, air. I don't know if that's one of the needs that he listed, but that's the one I'm thinking of. Rest, recovery, like those are basic needs. Next up the hierarchy, the next category are psychological needs. These are things like love and belonging, having good quality self-esteem, um, being in a community, feeling connection to people, things along those lines. Things that are more geared toward um, a mental aspect of being than just a physical aspect of being. It's not protecting yourself physically. It's not feeling the need to uh, get things and drive things because you might die. It's, it's the next level up in which you're more concerned about making connections and feeling mentally comfortable and mentally at, uh, at rest and filling those mental needs. Uh, so then after that, the last category is self-fulfilling needs. And this are things like that help you grow, such as self-actualization, um, becoming the kind of person, uh, it's fitness, health and fitness. It is um, other aspects like, like that, that we are growing into the kind of person that we believe we can become. So basic needs, psychological needs, and then self-fulfilling needs in that order. And you can visualize these categories as a pyramid. At the bottom of the pyramid are those basic needs. In the middle are those psychological needs. And at the top are those self-fulfilling needs. Okay. For 99.999999% of human history, for the vast majority of human history, we've had to endure short-term pain to be able to hopefully, potentially gain some long-term pleasure of basic needs. So 100,000 years ago, our ancestors may have been confronted with, say, a drought. And all of a sudden, there hasn't been rain for months. All the food's going away. All the vegetation's going away. The animals are leaving. Um, and now they have to go somewhere. They have to get up and leave because if they stay where they are, very good chance that they're not going to be on earth very long. So they have to endure the short-term pain of going from where they are to somewhere else, trekking somewhere else, to hopefully have the pleasure of finding food somewhere else, finding shelter somewhere else, finding safety somewhere else. Um, another basic idea around this is uh, 100,000 years ago, you know, if... Maybe a family of hunter-gatherers were living in a cave, and then <laughs> all of a sudden a saber-toothed tiger wants to inhabit the cave and comes in. Um, guess what? They got to go somewhere else, and they got to endure the pain of getting around the saber-toothed tiger, escaping the saber-toothed tiger, to hopefully get to the pleasure of being in a safe environment somewhere else, in another cave, or under another tree, or whatever that looks like. So... These are ideas that we just don't understand really anymore. And I think the vast majority of society just doesn't think about anymore because we have an absolute abundance of our basic needs. Literally, we have 
an abundance of food. We have an abundance of water. We have an abundance of shelter. We have an abundance. It, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Even in America, and this is not uh, making light of any of this, but like if you're homeless in America, you can find shelter somewhere. You can find some food somewhere. Uh, it may be harder. It may, may be more challenging, but it's much easier than 100,000 years ago when our ancestors were dealing with lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, and droughts, and freezes, and uh, glaciers, and this, that, and the other thing that we're constantly having to move around. So, because our basic needs have essentially been fulfilled, I think we can all agree on that, our basic needs have essentially been fulfilled, we have desensitized, we have become desensitized from pain. So, we don't we don't require any effort to gain our basic needs. There's zero effort other than having to go to the store. And goodness forbid, you actually have to go to the store and not get your groceries delivered to you. We have come to believe that that is pain now, which is a whole nother topic in and of itself. Um, but nonetheless, we are desensitized from going through pain in order to gain potential pleasure down the road. So this desensitization of pain leads us to avoiding pain at all costs. So um, I'm going to take a real quick drink out of my fancy Thrivology mug.
it's so delicious. So good. It's even better out of that mug. I don't know why it is. Um, maybe I'm just making it, making it up and making it taste better. But at any rate, a um, little sidetrack. So because we become over, overly sensitive to pain, meaning we feel pain and we run away from pain, this leads us to run towards comfort. In his book, The Comfort Crisis, which is a fantastic book, by the way, and everybody should read, uh, Michael Easter talks, Michael Easter, Michael Esther, sorry, I can't remember if I'm uh, saying his last name correctly. At any rate, he talks about basically how our society is constantly being pushed towards comfort. And anything that is outside of literally our comfort zone, we move away from. We have nice, comfortable chairs. We get into nice, comfortable cars that have nice heated seats, that have nice heated steering wheels that we can start in the comfort of our nice heated house so that whenever we go out to our car, it's nice and heated and we don't have to be in the cold at all. We have access to anything and everything that we want at literally the click of a button. We can pull up a, a, an app on our mobile device and go through the interwebs and all we have to do is search, click, buy, and potentially in a day we can have exactly what we want. So literally, like our lives are full of comfort and we are constantly moving toward that comfort. All of this is just more and more abundance of our basic needs. It's all just layering on more and more uh, comfortable and cushy basic needs. Our basic needs, have, they've been met. They've been met. They're, they are checked off the list. We don't need any more of what we have, but we are layering on more and more comfortable ways for us to fulfill those basic needs. And because we're constantly striving for that, we are moving away from avoidance or we're avoiding pain at all costs, which is causing us not to be able to move up the hierarchy of needs. Psychological needs, for instance, a lot of people have trouble with. We have trouble, quote, dealing with other people because when we're confronted with a person who doesn't agree with us, which is a psychological disconnection, then we get angry and upset because we think that everyone should agree with us. Because psychologically, mentally, we're like, well, I'm right. I got to be right. Why should I try and understand who this person is and what they're trying to say? So it keeps us from moving up the hierarchy. And many of us don't get to even thinking about self-fulfilling needs because we're too busy fighting psychological needs and not getting past emotional discomfort and the discomfort of, like I said, quote, dealing with other people. So all of this just kind of is a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will, of a cycle of avoiding pain and moving toward comfort and avoiding pain and moving toward comfort. So what this causes us to do over time is basically start to be instant gratification seekers and pleasure seekers. And that's what's happened really over the last couple of decades, 20 to 30 years. Definitely, it started way before that, but with the onslaught of technology, if you will, 
that's really when it's happened, is we've become instant gratification seekers. We've become pleasure seekers. Now, if most of our human history has been seeking basic needs and understanding that if I go through this pain, then I will get this pleasure at the end of it, then why all of a sudden are we not doing that at all and have a hard time going through any kind of pain to get to pleasure on the other side and only seek mainly, mainly seek pleasure here and now. Mostly seek pleasure here and now. Most of this can be narrowed down, not all of it, not all of it, but most of this can be narrowed down to one system in the body. One system that kind of guides this whole ship, if you will, of us either driving toward a thing in the future and understanding that in driving through this pain that I'm going to get to this pleasure on the other side or seeking pleasure now in this moment. And that system is the dopamine system. So the dopamine system is something that we've talked about in the past. We've talked about it in regards to sugar. We've talked about it in regards to other foods. We've talked about it in regards to other actions. Um, but to help you understand the dopamine system, I'm not going to go through the system itself necessarily. What I'm going to go through or what I'd like to talk about are ways in which or scenarios in which the dopamine system works, how it works in this scenario, and then how it works in this other scenario. So first, I want you to visualize your ancestor from 100,000 years ago. That would be your great, 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 I don't know, some, some number of greats, grandparents, whatever that looks like. I want you to visualize them because you do have an ancestor from 100,000 years ago. Whether you thought about that or not, most people haven't. I think about it regularly, but I'm kind of goofy. Nonetheless, 100,000 years ago, your ancestors are sitting on the plains of Minnesota. I don't know why I thought Minnesota. I'm sure they're sitting there going, man, Minnesota is boring. I want to go to Florida because it is cold up here. Probably not. Um, at any rate, so they're sitting at the plains of Minnesota. And it's mid-October. And they're running out of food. And they see that there's less animals around, and they see that there's less vegetation around. So they realize that if they stay where they are, that they're not going to survive much longer. So they pack their stuff up, and they begin to trek south. And as they trek, they are confronted by lions and tigers and bears, and they have to fight them off. And they're confronted by elements, lots of snow, feats of snow that they have to dig through, sometimes rain, lots of mud that they have to go through. Eventually, days, weeks, months later, they get to a spot and they find that there's plenty of, all of a sudden, here's all these elk, here's all these deer, he's all, here's all these other I don't know, whatever kind of animals that would have been around 100,000 years ago. Plenty of vegetation, tubers in the ground, fruits on the trees. 
all kinds of different things. That drive to go through all of that pain, all of the elements, all of the fighting off of the animals, all of the digging through mud, all of the carrying packs and making sure everyone makes it safe, all of that is driven, was driven by dopamine. Dopamine drove our ancestors to move to another area so that they could potentially find food and shelter to keep them safe, to keep them fed, to keep them alive. Once they got there, they got more dopamine release. That also drives them to do the next part of the journey, whatever that looks like. But the dopamine system drove them during that time frame, no matter if that was one month that they needed to go from point A to point B, or two months or one week, the dopamine system was driving them to do that. So that's one aspect of the dopamine system that pushes us and drives us for what we're trying to accomplish and the needs that we're trying to fulfill. The other part of the dopamine system we can think of through our modern lens. So now fast forward to today and visualize yourself craving a bowl of brownies and ice cream. Hmm. Sounds good. Sounds tasty. So what do you have to do to get brownies and ice cream? Or a bag of chips or whatever your favorite snack food or dessert or whatever is. What do you have to do? Well, if you're most of society, you probably have it in your cupboard already, and it's probably already made, so you don't have to bake it at all. So literally, all you have to do is walk to the cupboard, pull it out of a bag or a box, open it up, and start eating. Maybe, just maybe, you have to bake it, and maybe, just maybe, you have to go to the store and buy it. Maybe. So... There could potentially be some level of discomfort that you have to go through, but generally speaking, most of the time, all we have to do is go to the cupboard, grab our bag, grab our box, open it, and start eating. In this way, dopamine drives the system as well, but it drives it in a completely different way because we haven't had to go through any tri trials and tribulations to accomplish the thing we're trying to do, all we had to do is grab it and we instantly get that pleasure. Our dopamine system realizes that. And so we get the pleasure, we eat the thing, our dopamine spikes, and then here's the detrimental part, it drops. The dopamine spikes and then it drops. The tricky part with the dopamine system is the spike and the drop which you can and can't control, which we're not going to talk about today necessarily, but it's worth understanding. So here's how our actions as a society have switched the dopamine system from driving us to pursue our basic needs to instant gratification. So when you fulfill your need, your outcome, your reward, whatever you're after. Eating a potato chip, 
having a bowl of brownies and ice cream, whatever the thing is that you're after. Your peak in dopamine is based on how excited and how much you are anticipating that thing. If you have high anticipation of it and you're excited about it, then your peak will be higher. Your trough thereafter, which your, your dopamine will always drop below your baseline level after you've reached your outcome, after you've achieved your reward, if you will. Your peak will be higher the more intense you are craving the thing and then get the thing. Your trough then, after the fact, will be lower the more excited you are about it. So the higher the peak, the lower the trough. The higher the peak, the lower the trough. You know how this feels for anybody who has started an exercise program and was very excited about getting started because I'm totally ready to lose weight and I'm really excited to get going and I really want to go. And you start and you go for about four to six weeks and all of a sudden you're like, start looking around and you're like, I feel like I'm getting busy all of a sudden or I don't, I'm just not as motivated. Uh, uh, I don't, I'm just not enjoying it as much. And you start coming up with all these rationalizations as to why you're not really into it and you're not as excited. And I'm just not making as much progress as I wanted to and so on and so forth. Well, a big, big, big driver of this is because you were so excited to get started on the diet, the exercise program, or whatever it was, your peak for the dopamine system was very high. Peak, 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 peak. You started, you got going, and then over time, the trough came, the drop came, and you dropped below your baseline level, and that's when your, quote, motivation, which is a word that I think most people should eliminate from their Rolodex of words, um, your motivation plummeted. It's because you, you were so excited to start, you did start, once you started, dopamine levels do what they normally do. They drop, drop a low baseline, and they drop relative to the peak of dopamine. And that crash is what caused you to start to look around and go, well, I guess I'm not as into this exercise thing as I thought I was. Um, so this also happens with Whenever we're eating potato chips, it also happens whenever we're eating a bowl of ice cream. It also happens whenever we're doing any other thing that is giving us that instant gratification dopamine hit. That trough is pain. That trough is that feeling that you get after you've had a potato chip and you go, ooh, I think I want to put another potato chip. After you've had a bowl of ice cream and you go, ooh, I think another, I want another bowl of ice cream. After you've scrolled for uh, a minute and you looked at a post and you go, ooh, I think I want to look at another post. That, ooh, I think I want to feeling, that is pain in your body. That is dopamine dropping below baseline and going, I need another hit. I need another hit. I need another hit. And the more that we feed the dopamine system in that way, the more it's going to continue to act that way. It's just like a habit. It's just like anything else. Myelination. So we talked about myelination in one of the series. I can't really remember. Um, myelination is when neurological connections happen over the course of time, the more you do an activity, the more you do a habit that creates neural connections. M myelin 
goes over that connection, makes that connection more robust and less likely to break. It's the same idea. The more often you do it, the more likely it is to happen in the future. In this sense, with dopamine, the more often you use dopamine, no, let me rephrase that, the more often you seek instant gratification, the more often the dopamine system runs in that same cycle. Peak trough, peak trough. Whenever you hit that trough, the deeper that trough, the more pain you're going to feel to go after the thing to want it again. This is how cocaine works. It's the same exact way. This is exactly how cocaine works. Cocaine users want cocaine. When they get it, they want it really bad. It's very intense for them. It is very intense. So when they get it, dopamine system goes boom through the roof and then instantly plummets down to the ground, and that plummet drives them to go get more. But it's the same thing with the potato chips, with the sugar, with everything else. The same thing. The more instant gratification you seek, the more you are training your dopamine system to act in an instant gratification way. And moving away from, worth bringing back up, moving away from that drive. We talked about our ancestors from 100,000 years ago. The dopamine system drove them for months to go and find food and go and find shelter and go and find safety. Same system, but they're being used in different ways. Okay. That's all I have for you today. Um, I know this is an abrupt stop, but I think it's a good place to go ahead and take a pause. In our next episode, we'll dive deeper into this idea, how we can maybe hopefully start to shift away from the instant gratification thinking and actions and toward embracing pain and connecting the dopamine system to pain so that it does drive us to pursue the things that we know we need to do. Exercise, better nutrition, better sleep, all of those things that we have a hard time with now. They're very simple, very, very, very simple, but they are challenging and that's worth realizing. Okay. Um, so quick summary, and then we'll go over some questions. Remember, I mean, the summary is the summary. We move away from pain because we have become desensitized to it because we have our basic needs fulfilled and we don't have to really work hard to, to live. I mean, we don't have to. And so when we're confronted with any level of psychological pain, which is mostly what we're dealing with anymore, um, or at least if you're not exercising or anything regularly, you're dealing mostly with psych psychological pain, and that's what you're having a hard time overcoming, um, that's what's keeping you from moving up Maslow's hierarchy, is avoiding pain. I mean, it's almost that simple. So some questions to think about before the next time. Um, number one, what is one kind of pain that I'm regularly moving away from that I know I should be doing that it's going to help me improve? Exercise is one thing that I think about. Better nutrition is another thing that I think about. Those are kind of the basic ones that people, it's painful, it's hard, not physically painful, but well, exercise can be, but nonetheless, it's, it's hard. Um, number two, another question to think about 
how am I using instant gratification or how am I seeking instant gratification and how can I start to reduce my level of instant gratification seeking? Uh, our phones are instant gratification devices, so it's worth looking into that realm. Also, what we keep in our cupboards, those are also very, very likely things that are giving us instant gratification. Um, and then number three, a precursor to next time. Uh, let's think. A precursor to next time. Let me go ahead and flip this over so I can start to think about what that looks like. Um, what's one thing that I can start to say to myself that will reinforce the drive for long-term pleasure? What's one thing that I can start to say to myself that will reinforce the drive for long-term pleasure? Remember, the things that are usually good, quote, 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 unquote, good for us, quote, unquote, are they they're things that are down the road. We have to do things now that are usually uncomfortable and painful to get things that are, quote, unquote, good for us down the road. In order to do that, we need to start to connect the drive, the effort, so that we can get to the thing that we want to get to ultimately. Ultimately. Okay. Make sure you share this with your friends. Make sure you hit that subscribe button as well. And until next time, here's to your success in health and fitness mastery.